Hey everyone, Rafe here. Thanks for tuning into another episode of Faces and Feels. Uh, before we jump straight into the episode, I just wanted to hit you with a quick public service announcement. Uh, promotion that's near and dear to my heart, Deathmatch Down Under, Australia's premier deathmatch wrestling company, is currently in a, the midst of a big funds drive to try and establish their own venue in Melbourne, Victoria. Now, this is a really exciting concept for me, though I don't live in Melbourne, the idea of them having a place to put on shows regularly, to stream on IWTV, to put out more content, to help develop talent, all the things you can do when you have uh, your own location seems like a really, really exciting prospect to me. Uh, if you look at somewhere like H2O Wrestling run by Matt Tremont, that's a perfect example of what can be accomplished when you have a space like that. I imagine booking venues and doing things like that and selling the idea of bringing a deathmatch company to your venue isn't always the easiest thing to do. And so, yeah, they're trying to get that done uh, and they really want to make it happen this year. But in order to make that a reality, they really need your help. So please head over to 3011arena.com.au. That is 3011arena.com.au to check out all the ways you can help. They've got all sorts of packages um, and nothing goes unrewarded. So there's various tiers starting from as little as $10 making your way all the way up to $1,000 with perks and merch and uh, being part of the mural, being literally a part of the fabric of the venue, free tickets to shows. All of these things are available uh, and you'll be helping a great cause and helping a great community that they're building over there in Melbourne. So please check out 3011arena.com.au and support Deathmatch Down Under. And with that said, let's jump into the show. What it is, what's up, and welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I'm your host, Rafe Houston, and today we are joined by a very special guest. This is a huge one for me personally. I've been a huge fan of this promotion, and I feel like it's played a major part in my ongoing love of deathmatch wrestling. We have the Snuffleupagus of fucking up a bitch, the cold-hearted oh, player, nice. the squat god, Danny fucking DeManto. <laughs> what is up, my man? How are you? How are you? I am good. I love the the intros. <laughs> well, Larry's very special, so he he loves coming up with uh, new things to make me laugh. I, I find out some of them most of the time in the ring, like a, like on the fly. I remember when he said the snuffle up yeah. this one for the first time. You literally hear Struck just go what? Um, <laughs> I mean, he the first time he ever pulled that one on me was in like two thousand like twelve. Uh, yeah. So oh, it's that, been a while. I've, I've heard it before, but yeah. the ICW crowd hasn't heard it in, a, in that long. So, man, it popped me huge. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. <laughs> it's just so yeah, random. He, he said he said some wacky ones over the years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He he's a, an amazing man, and I've I've always said it before. The the whole opening to an ICW show always gets me super pumped, and I was like 
you know, all the bullshit from the first second, the what's up motherfuckers, and then introducing Larry and all, all that stuff is super fun. Yeah. And, and I feel like when you say that is the absolute best in the world, I, I couldn't disagree like in any way. I don't think, I don't think that anybody could really disagree. He's amazing. There, there, <laughs> there's, there's not really like, I, I don't think that somebody could really have an argument of a number, even like a close number two. Mm, exactly. Especially and, not, especially not on the, um, you know, independent circuit, but even, even the big time, there's no standout ring announcers that you just say, Oh, by, by far, that guy's just the best. No, no one stands out like him. No, exactly right. He's one in a million. Yeah. Shout out Larry legend. What an absolute hero. Absolute shout out Larry, Larry legend. He's also yeah. one of my best friends, Oh, really? but that has nothing to do uh-huh. with me putting him over. He, he happens to be one of my best friends, mm-hmm. but he also is absolutely the best at what he does. That's a, that is, that is awesome. Shout out, Larry. I, I really want to get Larry on the show at some point. I'm gonna gonna have to talk to him. But oh, to, you could definitely make. I could yeah. I could definitely uh, call in that favor oh, for sure. This is these are the kind of connections I want to make. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Also, a little inside thing. Uh-huh. Um, I really don't do podcasts, and I'm sure that I told you that in the past that yeah. I really don't have the time to do them. Uh-huh. And normally, when one pops up. Like this one, I'm going to do this one, and then I'm going to get asked to do 15 more, and I can't say yes to them. And a lot of the times, um, you know, uh, just like yesterday, me and you were supposed to tape this yesterday, but we moved to today. There's been so many times that I was like, hey, Larry, do you want to just do a podcast for me today? Just drop it and, in. <laughs> and, and, they, and they just get Larry instead, instead of getting me. You know, that, that has happened more times than not. I don't think anybody would be disappointed with that. Uh. No, he's, he's, he's a great substitute. Yeah, absolutely. He, he's, an, he's an upgrade. He's an upgrade, absolute upgrade. Well, he's I, a much better speaker than I am. I would say, you know, even keel for me, I, I would say both, both are right there neck and neck as two of the interviews I would love to have. So I can't believe it, and I really do appreciate your time. I know how busy you are, and I know what it will cost you in additional DMs of people trying to podcast with you. So I appreciate it's, you it's taking okay. those bullets. It's okay. I, I, I am very more than capable of telling people no and um, moving on. It will. You hear that, everybody? Leave the man's DMs alone. We're going to crank into it. We'll try and cover every single thing that you want to hear right here and now. So, Absolutely. But before we get into all like upcoming events and promo everything, I want to do that thing where we rewind all the way back to the start because I'd love to get a picture into your mind and your love of professional wrestling. So when you think back to when you first were exposed to professional wrestling and some of the first you know wrestling faces and characters that stood out to you, who do you think of straight away? Uh, actual characters or time yeah. period, or well, just okay. just like like um, your first loves, you know, in professional wrestling, the guys that you know drew you into it. Um, I really loved Junkyard Dog as a kid. The my favorite, my first favorite wrestler was the Macho Man Randy Savage. I was a anti Hulk Hogan kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I hated anything to do with Hulk Hogan, and my mom tried to shove him down my throat <laughs> constantly. Um small quick story i was yeah. like i think it was either i was either three or four years old mm-hmm. halloween time comes i want to be the macho man i saw the macho man costume yeah. available in the uh the magazine so that's what i'm expecting on halloween day halloween day comes hulk hogan costume oh no <laughs> this is- not the best day for my mother 
<laughs> Did you go sick? Uh, we, I mean, I put it on, but I probably wasn't the best behaved child that day. <laughs> a lot like the real Hulk Hogan. A lot, yes. <laughs> Out of control. When what? it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. <laughs> she was like a my terrible son. Was she a huge Hulk Hogan fan or did she just think that's what all the kids liked or very patriotic? I mean, like, she really, it? she really, she really hammed it up that she was this big Hulk Hogan fan. She really hates wrestling now, obviously, as every mother does that um, their kid goes down that road. Uh-huh. But uh, when I was a kid, she just fucking loved that piece of shit. And I never, ever, ever liked him. I didn't like the NWO Hogan. I I didn't like any Hogan. Yeah. I was just, I was, I was anti-Hogan. I was a anti-warrior. Yeah. I wasn't into like, I don't know if I was just smarter even as a kid, but I was into the bad guys most of the time mm-hmm. and over the top characters. I like junkyard dog. I liked Kamala. Um, you, like I said, Randy Savage was my first favorite wrestler as a kid. Um, and then as I got older in my early to mid teens in 1997, I found ECW and that's what changed everything for me. It, it, you know, obviously I cared about Raw and, you know, Nitro and stuff like that. And I was a fan and I always wanted to be a wrestler up until that point. But when I found ECW, I was like, I I, I could be like this because I could do all. I want to do all of this. Yeah. I want to do all of this. And uh, Macho Man got pushed to the side. And the franchise, Shane Douglas, took over as my number one favorite wrestler. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be just like him. He, he was, you know, the high school jock, the, the guy that got the girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't that big. We were, were about like the same exact height and stature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was definitely heavier than him, especially at the time. Uh, but it, it just looked a lot more doable. Yeah. Instead of like the hokey pokey land of the giants yes. that the WWE was. So that was 97. By the time like 98 rolled around, I was already going to indie shows, uh, Jersey All Pro Wrestling, uh, JCW, which is Jersey Champion Wrestling. And I was trying to get in no matter however I can. I was a shyster from the, the, the day I was born. So I always yeah. had to figure out a way to get in. Instead of just like go and watch the show, I, yeah. I can't handle something like that. Uh-huh. So um, I started pretending I was a photographer, got myself a nifty little camera, started taking po- pose pictures. Mm-hmm. Back then it was film. Mm-hmm. So I, I showed up to the next show with, you know, my doubles after I got them uh, developed. Mm-hmm. And I would give them to the wrestlers, like the, the extras that I got. And you know, you, you make contacts quickly, then you get put ringside as a photographer, then I could help set up the ring, and so on and so forth. By the time, I think it was either the beginning, it was either late 1999 or early 2000, uh, I was brought to my first wrestling school, which was the LIWF Doghouse, which was ran by uh, this guy named Bobby Lombardi. Some notable people that you guys would know would be like Homicide, Low Key, the Hit Squad, um, the Grim Reefer, uh, all came out of that same school. Um, and the rest is history. 
then yeah, wow. that then that goes into you know me becoming a wrestler. Yeah. So like you really when it began, you were already thinking about an angle to get closer to wrestling. Like you weren't just like, I need to find a school. You're like, so I just need I to be born, involved. Was, so rewind back to when I was two years old. Mm-hmm. Not to, well, I think I was either two or three. Mm-hmm. I used to have LJN wrestling figures mm-hmm. and I used to line them up next to each other. This guy versus this guy, this guy versus this guy, this guy versus this guy. Then I used to have my grandmother write it down on a piece of paper, then tell me the card back. Then I would wrestle the card she would tell me the results and the next day we would do something different. So I was booking shows at three years old. <laughs> you were just built for it. I, to, to say when I was got into wrestling that I, I wanted to be a promoter um, would be a somewhat of a lie because you all of a sudden, once you, when you first get in, you're making it no matter what, because you, you haven't been broken yet. But when I was three years old, I wanted to run my own wrestling company. I didn't want to be a wrestler. I wanted to run the company. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we could get we we could talk more about my road as it goes along. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, once I got ECW style close, yeah, I knew that I had to get closer than just sitting in a seat. Yes, I and that I would do anything physically in my being to do it what however the right way the wrong way whatever to to get a to be a part of it yeah so ring crew setting up a ring just to be able to get in a ring seems so worth it to me yes you know getting a camera and taking some pictures of some people on an indie show to be able to stand ringside during these matches mm-hmm. at 16 years old yeah absolutely worth it yeah so just like from the moment and was there any point where you dipped out of wrestling like I, I know for me like once I um hit university I started playing in a band and I was kind of out of it for quite a few years where you just always never yeah just straight yeah. ahead always um, wrestling like in, in high like a uh, senior year of high school I was already wrestling on shows mm-hmm. and I was bringing the VHS tape to high school and popping it in the VHS player and letting my classmates see that I was already you know on my way yeah, to doing something, pulling shows, and doing that. Like I was, I was the wrestler. Like I think it says something about that in my yearbook too. Yeah. Like, uh, even thinking back to junior high school, I was the kid that just jumped off shit. It <laughs> just immediately yeah. and and put people in you know uh, whatever submission hold I I cared about that week. Yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> just constantly. Yo, let me stop you right there. I just need to holler at everybody and tell them about NordVPN. This service has been a bit of a game changer for me, man. Not only are they one of the first services, you know, to believe in me and to believe in this podcast, which is pretty amazing, but it's also been great to, like, pick up my internet access and throw it around the world. I've been able to access all the streaming services. I've been able to check out different shopping sites. It's keeping me safe and sound on the internet and protecting all of my important data. It's been pretty damn awesome. So if you want to give it a chance for yourself, if you want to try it out, if you want to get amongst the glory that is NordVPN, just go to nordvpn.com feels and use the code feels to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan and at one additional month for free. Uh, it's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, which is pretty sweet. So yeah, nordvpn.com feels 
and use the code FEELS. Now let's get back to the interview. It, it's funny, right? Yeah. Like, do you think, uh, and I guess I hear this over and over again as I do these interviews, like, uh, about ECW and how important it was. Do you think the... Especially the, to my generation. Yes. Uh, for sure. It, it, it came in... It came in clutch in in a time period where there needed to be um, an or alternative to what what else was out there, and there needed to be that renegade company that you know was the cool company, yeah. the, the underground company, the company that you could sneak a bag of weed into the into the show and roll it up and smoke it in the corner, and no one's really going to yell at you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not trying to compare things, but you know, it, it's kind of what the model of yeah. everything I've done since ha- has been based off of. Yeah, that that just sort of outlaw, sort of underground thing. And I thought the same when I first saw ICW. So I had I had missed the first show. The the it wasn't on my radar just yet, but I I tuned in live for volume for the two. Drive-in. Yeah, for the drive in yeah. and. I was like, this is everything I've wanted to see, you know, like just, <laughs> just all distilled into one thing. And I was like, you know, uh, like between dropouts and everything like that, even the dropouts because it was COVID and everybody was watching from home and stuff even lent to it then because it felt like exclusive and like the entire world was watching. And so yeah. I, I feel like that, that really played a, a huge part. It in was definitely of that, one of the first shows worldwide that was streamed after the world ended that yes. like kind of meant something. Mm-hmm. And um, I I've I haven't done many of these interviews, so I haven't really been able to express what that COVID ever really meant to us. Too, mm-hmm. not only were we trying to build the company during a time where there wasn't other things, mm-hmm. but we were also trying to build people's mental health. Yes, because people were struggling, and they didn't have anything to look forward to. Yeah, so. For the, you know, two and a half, three weeks uh, leading up to that show that the tickets were on sale, they had something to look forward to. Yeah. And the people that weren't there live, like you yourself, once you knew about the show, at least in, in a very dark time where you didn't know about tomorrow, you had that two and a half, three hour gap that you knew that you could escape from the shittiness of the world. Yeah. And there was so many times throughout the pandemic that I don't know how close you paid attention to like the social media and stuff. Um, we had to run shows in front of 20 people, 40 people yeah. because of local pandemic like um, protocol. Yeah. And obviously that doesn't pay the bills. Yeah. Um, but we, I, there was, there was just no chance of me canceling something mm-hmm. Unless someone absolutely said, okay, you absolutely cannot do this or you will get arrested and everybody will get arrested. Yeah. Because I knew that it would be letting down so many people. It was. I knew that. And I, and I knew the numbers. Yeah. I know everybody's home. Yeah. So when we have 40 people standing in a barn in the middle of a pandemic, but there's 2,500, 3,000 people watching at home, we're doing a great job. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, 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 uh, I'm sure it's hard for you in the time because it would take a lot of self-belief to go, we're, you know, investing money and time into this, but really we're... And there was no money. Like the, yeah, this, that's what This I mean. is a very do-it-yourself company. Yeah. My my job is ICW. My income is ICW. Mm-hmm. 
there there is no side thing there's no inheritance there's no baby mama that gives me money there there there's yeah. none of that yeah um so i am as all in as everybody else yeah um do we have an amazing fan base with icw that helps the the trade keep going absolutely with the facebook live sales that we do and fire sales and the merchandise that we sell on our website that's what makes the company tick right now yeah. absolutely a hundred percent yeah um the merchandise makes a hell of a lot more than the two three hundred people that are attending the show yeah because we're a very worldwide company there's a lot more people watching from home than there is in that specific area but you know we we do get the loudest and liveliest crowds i think that are on uh live television right now yeah for sure oh it's it's crazy the vibe every time is awesome and and i do think that it starts with that intro i think yeah. the intro does a lot uh it, it sets the, the tone and um when baby boy akira comes out uh, you you just know that you just know the deal. Yeah, you know you know that everything's gonna start going. Yeah, and it, it gets it gets me fired up every time. And I, I said to you, off mic, and I'll I'll say it on mic as well. I feel like ICW and in that time really played like the biggest part of me being invested in American deathmatch wrestling. I was first exposed to it in Japan in person. And then I sort of tried to get into stuff and I was, you know, aware of GCW and I caught some stuff, but it was really the consistency of ICW, especially all through that time where I could just turn on IWTV or whatever Sunday morning and stuff and just crank it on and be a part of that that really locked me into it, you know, and made me... So if, there, if it was 8 o'clock at my time, what time were you... What, what was start time for you? 8 a.m. So we, we're oh, 12 hours exactly. It's 12 hours? Yeah. Oh, okay. Depending where so you are, <laughs> I, I did tell you. I did tell you about my um, story about Perth because I, I do want to tell you yeah, how this go. is all connected. Yeah, please. So um, it's it's just through a fan. His, his name is uh, his name is Pitbull. Okay, and he's from Perth, uh -huh. and he's been a fan of mine since the MySpace era. So <laughs> okay. we're talking like early two thousands, mm -hmm. and he found me. You know. I don't I really don't know how he found me because that was such a weird time to find independent wrestling. But he found me and he bought all of my merchandise. He would buy my eight by tens, my best of DVDs. He even bought a couple of my my outfits, like my my singlets and yeah. stuff like that. But he lives in Perth mm -hmm. and I didn't have any international fans back then whatsoever because there was no streaming. Like none of that existed. It was still DVDs. And if you got your hands on those DVDs, God bless you, yeah. you know, across the whole entire world, but he certainly did. Mm -hmm. And, um, he lobbied to a local company in Australia to use me, to use me, to use me, to use me. I was his favorite wrestler in the entire world. Wow. Like it was like, he, he was very invested in me. He wasn't like, he didn't just find hardcore wrestling in, in America. Yeah. And, you know, he was just marking out to everybody. He was very, very into me. Yeah. And he, he tried to get me over there. And there was this whole period of time I had a show booked, blah, 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 blah. It turns out that, you know, someone else was supposed to pay for the uh, airplane ticket. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen. 
So now all these years later, we're running in Australia, and he tells me that it's too far for him to travel from <laughs> Perth. After all this time, Pitbull, what are you doing, man? And he watches every ICW show. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he was like a super fan of mine yeah. throughout my whole entire career. Mm-hmm. Then he randomly finds ICW and then finds out that it's mine. Yeah. And then invests in it. Yeah. And now he's telling me that he's, you know, it, it would be too hard for him to travel from Perth to uh, Melbourne and that maybe we'll do it the next time. I'm like, <laughs> this motherfucker. <laughs> well, I can relate in the, I, I will be over for the ICW shows, which I'm very yeah, pumped Yeah, no pumped shit for. you will be. I'm, I'm fucking crossing the world. Anybody from <laughs> anywhere in Australia, I do understand that like you do probably have to get on a plane you or do, yeah. like, you know, it's a long, pretty long ride. Mm-hmm. But we're doing the hard part. Yeah. Okay. Your ride is longer to, to Australia yeah. from the US. Yeah. Exactly. It'd be like Deathmatch Down Under coming to New Jersey mm-hmm. and somebody being like, oh, well, I live in California. Yeah. So it's all, it's like a six hour car. It's a six hour, you know, uh, plane ride. Yeah. It's the same. It's, a, it's I'll, about I'll, I'll five catch to it, six I'll hours, catch yeah. you the next time. Yeah. No. Who knows where the next time will be? People, get on a plane. This is this Jeez. is a very once in a lifetime <laughs> opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're, I mean, we're guilty could it now. possibly happen again? Most likely, it will. Mm-hmm. Will the first one ever happen again? Hell Absolutely, no. fucking not. Hell no. Hell no. Oh, people, I feel no. for you, mate. <laughs> Oh jeez! All right then. Well, let's we'll talk more about because I, I really want to get into the logistics of the U, uh, of the Australian tour. But let, but let's rewind a little bit and we'll we'll keep cranking along with the story. So, uh, you go to wrestling school. Um, You're saying that the likes of homicide and all that are there. How was that for you? Because obviously, I said I want, I want to be in wrestling. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say, were you natural into it or were you like, no, I felt everything. No. Yeah. No. Uh, uh- Definitely at the beginning um, was definitely hard for me because I didn't really have like the buddy system behind me at that school at the time. Um, you know, year years later, uh, actually decades later now, uh, me and Homicide are obviously very close, but we weren't back then. Yeah. You know, we, we came from very different backgrounds. I was a... Um, white kid from the white part of uh, New York mm-hmm. with a mother who dropped me off in her nice car every single day. And then there was, you know, and the school was in one of the worst areas of New York. Yeah. So you can understand that there was definitely a barrier there. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely got my ass kicked the way that it should be though, for those first couple of years. And believe it or not, my mouth was just as bad, if not worse back then than it is now, but I just didn't have the um, experience behind me to be able to run my mouth. So when I did run it, I would get in trouble. Yeah. And exactly. And how old are we talking when you start? You were saying like 15, 16, something like that? Uh, No, I was 16 when I, so, um, so I was 17 at my first match. Right. Okay. Yeah. 17 at my first match, 16 when I started training. Yeah. Um, and like when that whole like ECW, then like ring crew, uh, 
like photography thing that was like 15 16 years yeah okay and how was your how was your mother feeling about like dropping you off at training in this sketchy neighborhood and you doing all um, this physical stuff? She was supportive of it back then because she knew that I needed that outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm not one of those like anti sports people either. I'm huge into baseball. I'm huge into basketball. I'm huge into football. As a kid, I played um, basketball and baseball to the point that I went to summer camp every single year uh, just for additional baseball and basketball you know, classes and help. Um, my mother didn't want me to jump into, like my mother, if it was up to her, I would have never gotten into pro wrestling. But when I first got into it, she was supportive of it. Once the injury started rolling in and obviously, um, you know, I didn't make money doing wrestling out the gate and definitely not fast enough for my mother because uh, as my mother would say, Apple trees don't make pears. She's exactly like me. She's very money driven. She's very hungry. She's very motivated to be the best. Um, that didn't happen for a very long time. And if it was up to her, I would have, you know, dipped out at, at a much earlier age. But she, I'm sure that right now she is probably happy that I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, but she thinks she definitely wishes I was doing it, doing something else. Yeah, exactly. Like a, a, yeah. a nice normal job instead, instead of, yeah. but I guess she, she'd respect the hustle and, and like, yeah, and I'm slowing down in the ring. She thinks I don't wrestle anymore at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I tell her that I don't wrestle anymore, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that she has some, uh, social media trolls that tell her otherwise. Oh, really? Yeah. My, 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 my poor mother. You've got some uh, stooges out there filling her in on what's going on. <laughs> yeah, of course. I, you think that there's only stooges in wrestling? There's stooges in my family too. This is this shit. <laughs> uh, so, so as you start to actually wrestle um, and get and do your first match and stuff like that, what what company is that for? Because I heard you say JCW, but I know you were involved with ICW was, from JCW. very early, very early on. As yeah, well, right? my yeah. very very first match was for JCW Jersey Championship Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the promoter whose name was Ricky O. Mm-hmm. He was also the uh, the guy that I w- well we can get into that story later. But first couple of matches were for JCW. Then I did uh, you know my school like my school ran school shows LIWF school shows. So obviously I was on all those. And then I think it was like my sixth or seventh match. Um, I debuted in ICW. Little squash match. I squashed somebody. <laughs> of course, <laughs> I did. I did. I did. The the promoter saw something in me at an early age. Yeah, yeah. Now is that um, obviously? Yeah, ICW's been through quite a few uh, incarnations, like to the point of, yes. to being where it is now. Now was that promoter? Is that the the same promoter that you took over ICW for, or were there a few owners yes, before? Yes, is that it was just Jack it was or, just me yeah. and Jack. Yeah, yeah. it mm-hmm. was Jack, his name is Jack Sabbath. He started ICW mm-hmm. um, when. So I, I'll give you a little bit of a timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, this might be a little bit of a long timeline, and uh, stop me if I make um, if you don't understand any part of it. Right. But um, so. ICW started in 2001, mm-hmm. um, and I started wrestling in 2000. Um, the first ICW show ever, 
I ran just a smoke machine. That's all I did. I just pressed a button and people had smoke in their entranceway. Yeah. And I set up the and I set up the ring. Mm-hmm. Um like six months later I debuted. Mm-hmm. Um there was definitely on again, off again, spurts of great shows that went off and on, off and on, off and on. Then uh, there was definitely an extended period of time that there was no shows. And then there was a pretty much like a return in 2010 um, with a brand new building, brand new look. And in that period of time, that was kind of like when I got a lot better than what I was before, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So the first show back, it was me against Jerry Lynn. And it was very good. Mm-hmm. And then um, I went into my feud with Amazing Red mm-hmm. slightly thereafter that. And that was that's still one of the best feuds I've ever been a part of. Um, to me, Amazing Red is the absolute best at his style that has ever did it. Um, so I was just the wrestler at that point, but I was definitely Jack's like right-hand man slash like top guy, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, I was a lot. I was in. I was definitely in tune with the booking. I definitely gave him booking ideas, especially for myself. But I was definitely helping him with the rest of the show. Um, so fast forward a couple of years later, um, JCW wants to make a return. The guy Ricky O. And um, I, I was also very loyal to him because he gave me my start. I was loyal to both of these promoters. Um, and, and Ricky O wanted to make a return, and he wanted to bring back JCW. And he asked me if I would help him book shows. Um, he would be the promoter. I would be the booker. And I would also be a on-camera wrestler as well. Uh, we rock and rolled for a good year, year and a half with JCW, and, and it was Jersey Championship Wrestling, and it, we were we were doing the small local shows, but like you know the carny shows, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, like just your simple basic wrestling shows. Um, they were doing okay, but it's not really what I wanted. I wanted a global thing. Yes. I wanted I wanted I wanted more. Yeah. So. Uh, we decided it because we were running a building called Game Changer World that we were going to rename the company Game Changer Wrestling GCW. And I was going to bring on board a buddy of mine, Brett Lauderdale. Yes. And um, once we brought Brett involved, we I already knew that between Brett and I that we wanted to make the company a little bit more hardcore than what it was and we also knew that nick gage was getting out of jail soon because he was very close to brett yeah and did you know brett through czw and things like that um yeah when i was in czw brett was a fan but he also um worked for wwe at the time and we had a mutual friend so we became friends before he actually crossed over the barricade right um, and once he did cross over the barricade, we were we were friendly. So I did help him get a booking here and there. And I always appreciated his mind and um, ideas for being different with wrestling. Yeah. So um, 
so fast forward about a, a, for a couple of months, um, Ricky, Ricky O doesn't really want to be a part of the company anymore. He gets more and more nervous every single show because we're doing death matches and that's not really his style. He offers us the company for, he offers us the, Oh, actually give me, let me, let me stop you for a second. Um, that's happening. We know that he, he wants to pretty much, you know, dip out. And then, um, I go and do a Jersey all pro show. October 1st, 2016. And I do a moonsault off the top rope to the outside of the ring and I Jesus. break my leg. Oh. And um, I knew at that point that we had to start getting the balls in motion mm-hmm. because my life was going to have to change for sure. Mm-hmm. And from the couch that I had to recover from, uh, Brett and I bought the company from Ricky. Um, and GCW was off to the races from, from that point on. Yeah. Um, now was Ricky out before Nick came back or like you were bringing in? No, 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 no. Ricky was, Ricky was still involved even when Zandig was involved. Oh, wow. He he was there. He was there for the, the jump off the roof. Yeah. Uh, the first show. That was our responsibility, which we found out that it was going to be our responsibility on the Tuesday before the show. Yeah, was the I don't know if you know the history too much, but it was um, fuck, I forgot the name of the show now. But the main event was supposed to be Zandig versus Tremont, and Zandig no showed. Okay, and it turned into Tremont versus Lowlife Louie, and Chris Dickinson no showed, and it was supposed to be Dickinson versus Teddy Hart, and it was. Teddy Hart versus Shane Strickland. Okay. And that that was me and Brett's first uncushioned this is this is yours figure it the fuck out show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so GCW's rocking and rolling and Jack still wants to do ICW. So we found a building. Jack had found a building, which was a really cool building to do ICW in in Queens. It was right next to a strip club, uh, very convenient um, subway right near it. it. It was just a good building, so I wanted to take advantage of this. And what we were doing was we would run GCW on a Saturday, and then on a Friday we would do ICW in New York, and we would double up on talent, and you know it would give it, the fans more of an opportunity to see two shows at once, and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Me and Brett were running GCW, and we were booking GCW together, and I was calling ICW my batting practice because it was just all mine, and I could fuck around with ideas that I don't know if they're going to stick against the wall, mm-hmm. and I could test them out in ICW and then possibly cross them over. Mm-hmm. A um, couple of years later, uh, Brett and I decided to go separate ways. Let's go. Let's go with that story. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll go. We we decided to go separate ways after Mania weekend. I think it's 2019 mm-hmm. or 18, whatever it was. The one that was in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was left without GCW. And I was left with Jack saying I could do whatever I want with ICW. Mm -hmm. So I decided to 
first off, get my name on a piece of paper that says that I own half of it. Yeah. And then I decided that instead of these small shows in a gym in Queens, as fun as that's going to be, we got to step this up a notch and we got to change it up. And I got to go back to the same exact format that got me to the same exact game that I just exactly just did because I know that it works. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I hate saying this, but, um, the roof jump definitely changed GCW's outlook. Mm -hmm. And we definitely at that point decided that we were going to go all in, in a community that was such a small niche thing, which is deathmatch wrestling. Mm -hmm. And then when Joey Janela's spring break happened as great as it was for the company and as, as many eyes as it brought to the company, it changed the outlook of where the company was going. And then it, it became, you know, different. It became, uh, more more based around like the Joey format and not necessarily deathmatch format. Yeah. And I never wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. Um I never really wanted to stray away from the deathmatch format mm-hmm. because I feel that the deathmatch community is such a loyal fan base, mm-hmm. but when you turn on them, they feel it mm-hmm. and they let you know it. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to leave the deathmatch world. I never wanted to go back to, you know, doing regular shows. I, I don't want to do regular shows. Everyone does regular shows. I want to do deathmatch wrestling at the absolute best level that it could be presented. And I think that we do that now. Yeah. Um, a little backstory with the chains. If, if I'm sure that that's on your list of why chains. Mm-hmm. I think that pro wrestling is way too fast. Um, these days, I think that the stories aren't being told as well because a lot of people um, are really pushing the envelope with the gymnastics mm-hmm. and the spots and the moves and the things that they can get done within the time period that they're given. And it doesn't give people enough time to develop a story and um, tell a story properly to a crowd and let them invest in what you're doing. The chains eliminates that and um, makes people sl- forces them to slow down. It gives a much grungier look, um, and it's also a throwback to the movie. Yeah, I think I think it gives it gives you that you know bar fight feel um, with the tires on the ring and the platforms on the top of the on, on the top of the turnbuckles and stuff like that. It, it there's a method to all of the madness. Yeah. And the chains have definitely um, progressed since the first time we put them up, for sure. There's definitely been times that we couldn't get them tight. There's been times that they were just pretty aesthetically there, and we could. And, but now, I could stand on the top of the chains and do a moonsault if I really wanted to, because yeah. we, we've gotten it down so well. Yeah, they're, they're really tight now. And I mean, you see the likes of Neil Diamond Cutter pulling lion salts off. Oh them yeah, he, he, crazy he, he does springboard lion salt, springboard <laughs> lion salt, Neil Diamond Cutter. Literally Damn, crazy. So it, <laughs> <laughs> stretch it out. Hey, I. It's kind of ironic that you say you know that like a huge turning point for GCW was that roof jump, and it's almost kind of it was the same for ICW in a sense with a roof jump because we we've talked about volume two a couple of times since we've been on the phone. Yeah. But Akira coming off that roof was like 
like a clarion call for deathmatch wrestling almost. You know what I mean? Like it, like in a time when everything was super dark, suddenly this kid comes off of and everybody's like talking about it and it's gift and it's It wasn't everywhere. even that high of a roof. No, I know. Like it was just a very special moment. Yeah, exactly. That brought everybody together. That, yeah. And, I mean, including him. He he didn't even want to do it, to be honest. I don't know if you've ever heard any interview of him saying it otherwise, mm. but he definitely had to be talked into it. Oh really? For sure. <laughs> I think I yeah. spoke to him. Like I can't remember what he said about it. Actually, it was it was a while ago. I spoke to him like a year ago, and I can't remember if he he definitely he a hundred percent had to be talked into it. it. It was a it was a good call because it uh it it turned into probably one of the most talked about moments of the entire show, right? And can we talk about how great Reed Bentley is? Because Amazing. without Reed, Amazing. Yeah, exactly. there, there's no Akira right now without Reed Bentley. Exactly. I mean, he's a hit maker. You know what I mean? Is Reed Bentley? Hundred like, percent. Yeah, absolutely. Hundred percent. I've I've missed him on the shows. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Absolutely. You do. Um, yeah. The the other thing I guess is like uh, the all of the all of the choices that you guys made like aesthetically was a it was a huge way to in, in my my mind anyway fast forward sort of the progress like when you're reset back to zero and you're like okay I need to build this company and think about branding it and stuff like that. I love the detail that you went into because you were already thinking about that. Like what are the things I can do to immediately make my company stand apart from everything else and double down on the things that I, knew I that. enjoy. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I knew that I knew that that volume one needed to, obviously the, the card had to be on paper. Like it just had to blow people's mind that the people that were on the show mm-hmm. I knew that we had to spend a couple extra bucks going out the gate there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew that when the cameras turned on, that the fans needed to see something aesthetically different than they've ever seen before. Yeah. And it, we spray painted the chains red at the time. It didn't really show that well. Yeah. Um, and, and the paint came, came off pretty quick. But we, we were thinking red chains black um you know tires in the corners the platforms you know obviously the weapons are already in the ring and and the only other american deathmatch company at the time worth a shit was gcw and they were gearing already you know away from you know the deathmatch every single show format exactly and i mean a lot of people would have known obviously who you are where you'd come from and they're like, okay, is this GCW two or is this something different? Right. And there was, and def- there was definitely like, a period of time that um, people didn't even realize the two and two and uh, ICW was being called GCW light. Yeah. Um, and then people, then, you know, obviously fans would be like, Hey, just so you know, if, if ICW is GCW light, he'd be stealing from himself. Exactly. Because, so what could you do? I mean, it, it, it was, it, it was it GCW light at the time. Yeah, it probably was GCW light because I knew what worked. So I went with worked mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, exactly. There were certain wrestlers that I had to, you know, slowly part with mm-hmm. as you saw throughout the, the shows. There was some guys that, you know, that crossed over from the one company to the next, but they didn't stick around too long. Mm-hmm. Um, for for whatever reason there, there was you know sometimes there's lo- some sometimes there has to be um not necessarily a, a personal loyalty but sometimes there's a business loyalty mm-hmm. there's certain guys that are loyal to brett or i 
for GCW or ICW, and it's not necessarily because they like me better or they like Brett better. Mm-hmm. It's because that company at a certain time gave that person the opportunity that they needed to succeed. And they've decided that they've put in enough stock into that company that they want to roll with that company. Yeah. And in order for both GCW and ICW to succeed, we're going to have to be different and we're going to have to have different top guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I said that for, I said that from the very beginning, I said that to, I said that to AJ Gray's face Mm -hmm. in Orlando one day when he asked me why I would, I don't use him in the chains. Yeah. I said, hey, Brett's going to have his guys and I'm going to have my guys. And yeah, there is going to be guys that are going to go intertwine and mm-hmm. jump from company to company just to create some controversy or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you look at each poster, they're going to have to look different. Yeah, exactly. Like who's, who's going to pay yeah. to see the same cards over and over again? You know, you've got to mix it up. And, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm not in competition with Brett. Yeah. I, I'm in competition with myself. Yes. I want to be the best at this. Mm-hmm. And I think that I am the best deathmatch promoter and booker in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I know his capabilities. I know what he knows. Um, and that's no knock on him. I, I know what they've built. And I know what they're even doing in Japan right now, which is unbelievable. Um our company is deathmatch through and through. Mm-hmm. And that's what separates the two, I think. Yeah. And the chains. Yeah, and the chains. Deathmatchworldwide.com, the official online merchandise store that is only for deathmatch wrestling. Featuring official t shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter. G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a deathmatch wrestling promotion, manager, or platform and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. What I also really enjoy about ICW is... We, we, well, actually, it rewinds back to the very first show that you, you did for GCW. You said that immediately somebody no-showed and things like that. We talk about rolling with the punches, which is what you had to do from the first second you were promoting on your own. But you continue mm-hmm. to do that with everything that changes Zandig all no the show. time. <laughs> Zand- yeah, I know. Zandig, no. I, I Zandig, know. Like, no these show. are huge names. And that you continue also to... My do- first, um my first deathmatch tournament I ever promoted. Yeah. The Nick Gage Invitational. Guess who wasn't there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, if you constantly have that mindset, to my eyes, you can never really get unstuck because it seems to me that you never get bogged down. You're like, okay, then we'll what's next? You know what I mean? You don't let it, right. and you just keep rolling. And I'm sure there's been some that behind the scenes are critical, like we're fucked. But you're like, you know what? Mm-hmm. We're going to make it work. I mean, when Nick Gage doesn't show the Nick Gage Invitational, that's a fucking issue. You know what I mean? The morning like, of. You know, you know the morning what? of. Here we go. The morning of. Chaos. Exactly. And so I think a lot of that for me from the outside then has led to you adapting things and moving to it. So we'll talk about the first pit and Pit Fighter X and things like that. 
things get right out. Things I, I was just gonna. I was just yeah. gonna say, um, ICW's very first time that we really had to push the envelope of rolling with the punches. I'll give you a little bit of a timeline. Mm-hmm. Bell time is eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. At six p.m., there is zero chance of rain. The ring is up. Yeah. Everything is fine. At six thirty, there's about a thirty percent chance of rain. So I was like, eh, 30% chance. Nah, that's not going to happen. At 7 o'clock, the sky just opens (laughs) and just torrentially starts pouring. We quickly get a tarp on the ring, but everything's just getting soaked. And we have an entire, um, like we're doing a whole festival weekend. It's the circus. So this is is day one of the circus. Um, It's a big open field and, and... you know, obviously, you know that there's that barn. So me and uh, a staff member go running to the barn and we turn the lights on. This is my first time in the barn. I've never gone over to this barn. I just know that there's a barn there. Yeah. And I was like, hey, uh, is there any animals in here? They were like, no, we don't even let the horses come in here anymore. Um, if anything, they just come in here to shit. But that's about it. Uh, so then... I run over to the people who earn own the property and they feel so bad for us. And there's like 300 people there mm-hmm. or some, something crazy. Oh, actually, no, there wasn't too many people there yet. They were going to be there the next day okay. for the Saturday day. Yeah. So there's about like 200 people there. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, if I were to just have the wrestlers fight in the middle of the barn, are you okay with that? And I'll just set up barricades. They're like, do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I feel bad. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So I was like, okay, so we're going to do like a no ring thing in the barn. And then it's COVID. So we have to separate people. So we have to bring in the barricades. So we at least knew that we were going to barricade pit, like barricade people off mm-hmm. from, um, being able to like be with the as opposed to like just a no ring people just fight everywhere so the cameras turn on and we're inside of a barn Mm -hmm. instead of a ring it's the card is completely not what the friday card is supposed to be Mm -hmm. also a little uh peeling back the curtain when i ran back to where the wrestlers were in the tent I told them that there's going to be a show tonight, pair up, figure out who the fuck you're wrestling, and I'm going to be back in 20 minutes. When I came back, there was an entire card booked, and they were standing next to each other. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's the card that happened on that Friday. Yeah. I had nothing to do with it. So any type of cool cool matchup, give the credit to the person that stood next to the guy. Yeah. Um, we got through that first night. Then we did Friday night's. We did Friday night's card Saturday morning inside the barn, inside a ring. Mm-hmm. And then at night, the sky was clear. So we brought the ring back outside and we did the, 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 next, the show the next time. But if it never rained, we would have never found the barn. We would have never did bloodshed shows. We would have never bought the cage mm-hmm. on Facebook Marketplace and put it inside of the barn. Um, so everything still happened for a reason. Yeah. We're up to what pit fighter 12 is what's going to be happening in Australia. Yeah. 
And yes. I, I think so. I, I think what's amazing about that is that I think a lot of people would have been like, that's one and done, but you guys turn around and you brand it and then you turn it into a different type of show. And so now ICW has essentially three types of show they can run and the pitch and none of them and none of them are ropes yeah exactly none of them are ropes some of them can just be done with literally nothing you can just put them on anywhere and it's perfect because you can run you know back to back you can be setting up a ring here and run over there it's really smart i always try to make the pitch shows aesthetically look like some type of like crazy underground wacky contraption like there's definitely a couple of failed attempts at that i definitely (laughs) hate the way the one in texas looked Oh, you didn't like the ropes the, or the or the barbed wire one, and then the bar, yeah, and then the one that uh, w- was in Chattanooga the first time. I call it a chicken coop. Yes, <laughs> it looked like a fucking chicken coop. Yeah, I, I hated that one. I hated that one. I love it because it's like uh, all of them are, are like a Van Damme eighties movie. You know, like an action right. movie where yeah, they fight what, in different or, areas, or like the No Holds Bar movie. Yeah, you mm-hmm. never know what bar you're gonna walk into with the aesthetic. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm waiting for, I think actually Cass might have done it recently with a new Fear City show, but I remember there was some fighting movie when I was a kid where it was literally like one moment they're in a, a squash court or something and then another one they're in an empty pool. I feel like a, a pit we fighter were, in an empty pool had, would be sick. We had such a cool concept that almost came to life mm-hmm. during the pandemic. Um, a staff member had found an abandoned uh, junkyard. Oh, that was that was turned into a, a haunted hayride. Oh, what? <laughs> so it was aesthetically a junkyard, uh-huh. but t- the stuff was turned into a horror ride. Wow. And, and it was all shut down. Perfect. Not being used. Perfect. So what we were going to do was we were going to set up seven fights. Mm-hmm. And the last one being in the, in the ring in the chains, mm-hmm. but all of the other fights were going to be at a different part of this, like this trail, yeah, with different aesthetic behind it. Do the the aesthetic of what it was gonna it it was gonna be, it it's it's just too cool of an idea. Yeah, yeah. And we just couldn't get it zoned for an event or or the insurance or there was there was some type of logistic issue that did not allow it to happen made it not possible if if it ever did and it's definitely in the back of my mind so if i ever find something that's similar to it i'm gonna do it it was very street fighter yeah mortal combat like each match each fight would have had its own complete totally different look like there was a there was a plane like an abandoned plane in there there was a there was like a, a a gutted bus there was a, a fun house. That's sick. It, it, it would have been wild. Yeah, yeah. It Just would have been wild. Slowly workshop it <laughs> forever. Yeah. Until you can make keep it, it in the Keep it on the exactly. back burner and don't say too many of the ideas or someone will steal it. Yeah. What's the, um, what's the status of the bloodshed uh, currently? Because it became such an iconic venue for you guys. Like, um, uh, the vet, like so the property was sold. Mm-hmm. We, we ran one show with a new property owner. Mm-hmm. And but now the new property owner is trying to turn it into a weed farm, and uh, they're trying to um, they're they're renovating the the like the uh, outside of the barn, so they can't really do too much, and they're not really motivated to really let us back in there. But 
every now and then I do check in with them and say, hey, are you guys down for an event? And they'll blow me off or whatever. It's not it's not never say never. We we do have a contact with them and it's you never know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I can't imagine that weed farmers would be too keen to let a whole bunch of rowdy wrestling fans onto the property. To be you never know. Yeah, you never you know. You never know. Exactly. Money talks. You never know what's happening. So, yeah. So let's uh, let's crank up uh, and, and talk about like the logistics of this Australian tour that's coming up, obviously. It's very Absolutely. close to my heart, and I'm very, very excited for it. How is it? Um, I can only imagine, I mean, you've said it before, that, you know, ICW, No Holds Barred, you want to be a worldwide company so this is you know uh is this going to be the first international tour that you have ever booked and been on or, or um, were you part of like the, that the i GCW booked and been on yeah. yeah i i went to mexico once okay with uh gcw mm-hmm. but i don't really consider that like booking like that's more or less just going to a just going to dtu with a couple of the guys and girls and, yeah yeah and doing it like they were my shows. I didn't even pick who I was wrestling. Right, right. Um, yeah, this is the first one I've booked myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a part of booking the first Japan tour for GCW, but then I parted before it had happened. Okay. So this is my first, definitely my first time uh, wrestling mm-hmm. on international soil. Um, except Mexico, so it's definitely exciting. And uh, obviously, Deathmatch Down Under are probably a pretty big part in helping you get all this organized. Has it been working with them? I mean, it would make it a little oh, bit easier great. having such a, a close contact in, in Joel, um, Joel. Joel's been awesome. Um, me and Joel had first started talking right when the world ended, mm-hmm. uh, when Casanova had just gone over there, sure. Um, and he threw me all these ideas for a possible tour. And I said, um, if this could ever happen, let's, let's see where the world takes us and we'll stay in contact. Mm-hmm. And so we were already ahead of the game. So once the world opened up a little bit, mm-hmm. I feel that we've done some good business to build up his name here, mm-hmm. to build up our name back over there. And thus you know, having some cross promotional ability to uh, get some eyes on the product. Sure. Um, it's definitely been stressful. It's definitely been a learning process. Mm-hmm. I'm running a show completely on the opposite side of the entire world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not like, you know, when, when the wrestlers hit me up like, Hey, what, what uh hotel are we staying at? I'm like, dude, I don't even know how to drive a car over there, <laughs> let alone, <laughs> what hotel we're staying at. Yeah. That's definitely a Joel question, for example. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm joking, but let's, let's just be honest. Um, Melbourne, Australia, I've done my research. It's obviously a very small city compared to like a Sydney, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and deathmatch wrestling is obviously a small niche and Joel, like myself is very all in. Um, with the deathmatch community and building up deathmatch wrestling and something different in Melbourne. Um, do I expect to come over there and do these shows in front of 500, 600 people? Absolutely not. That was never going to be in the cards. But do I think that 
collectively as a unit between ICW and Deathmatch down on there and the fans that we both have um, established together. Um, can we build it to the biggest shows that Deathmatch Down Under has ever done? Absolutely. Because even if there's, say there's there's 30 diehards right now that really wanted this tour to happen and they watch every single ICW show and they watch every Deathmatch Down Under show, like yourself, somebody that you're just waiting for the day to fucking come for this to happen. If there's 30 people out there that can get five people each that were not going to come to the show to come to the show, in addition to them, then we're packing the building. Yeah. Well, for example, I'm bringing my wife and my my sister-in-law, and then I've actually got a friend over in Melbourne who's like, I've never seen that stuff, but I'll come too. So there's three people... Like immediately coming with me, you know, <laughs> it's just like there's, yeah. yeah. So there's there's your almost you're almost at the five right mm-hmm. there. Yeah, exactly. you know what I mean. If there's thirty of you, mm-hmm. we're 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 packing it with that plus the people that obviously bought tickets on their own. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's not it's not a crazy three hundred three hundred and fifty people inside of that building. I believe mm-hmm. is is jam packed, mm-hmm. and that's all it takes. Yeah, but. If if the fans want it to continue, they have to do the exact same part as the promoters taking the gambler to do this. Yeah. It, it's it's just part of the game. We're we're running an international deathmatch tour. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't happen all the time. It's happening right now in Japan with GCW in Japan, but I I don't know the last time there was a deathmatch tour of Australia. I mean, never. Like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's ever happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't. I. I, I, I mean, the wrestlers are just as excited as um, the fans. It seems like, it, if not more. I, I talked to a lot of the uh, the deathmatch down under wrestlers, mm-hmm. and um, they're definitely very. And we're talking from top to bottom here. Mm-hmm. Mad Dog is excited as hell. <laughs> For us to come over there, yeah. Vixen is excited as hell for us to come over there, and then there's guys like Callan Butcher, who are, you know, he's a young up and comer, doing it, and obviously just like Akira, he, he had a stri- uh, rocket strapped to his back on the Australia side, mm-hmm. but this is going to be the first opportunity for him to reach a worldwide audience um, on the other side of the world, mm-hmm. so it, it's his time to show up and show out. Mm-hmm. He, he hasn't had the opportunity like Joel and York and Samson who got to come over here and show it over here. He has to show it over there, and he has this opportunity to do it. Absolutely. Um, there's definitely a lot of fights that have not been announced yet that are going to continue to blow people's minds. Um, and this is probably not minds. coming out. There have been some crazy announcements. Are you talking Mad Dog versus John Wayne Murdoch? Like, get fucked. Like, it's absolutely well, crazy. I'm about, this isn't coming out, obviously, in the within the next, like, five hours. Oh, right? no, I'm going to work. <laughs> right. This will so, be out in a few days. <laughs> so by the time this comes out, people are going to find out that Mad Dog versus Danny DeMonto is happening oh, yes. in the chains. Yeah. In the chains. Um, at NHB 34, and people are going to find out that York is fighting Cruel in the Pit Fighter X. Oh, my God. 
God, York is going to die. That, that is, and that's and that's day one. That's the, the the lineups are just like it's just dream match after dream match. Like you guys just uh, announced Guido and Cass. Like it's just like, crazy. Like we're bringing our best. Yeah. To a country and mixing our best with that country's best. What? What? what same thing is exactly. I, I I keep harping back on this GCW tour, but it, it's happening right now. GCW is taking their side of the best deathmatch wrestlers in America, mm-hmm. and they're bringing them to Japan mm-hmm. and have access to the absolute best deathmatch wrestlers in Japan. Yes. Of course, the cards are going to be beautiful. Yeah, of course they are. Yeah, they've got to be. They've got to be. How were you? Uh, how was it uh, having the obviously? pretty experienced with Joel at this stage. He's been, been over with you guys quite a few times. How was it having like York and Samson over? Because I feel like both guys really showed out. Uh, they they yeah. definitely did. Um, I, I definitely was telling the truth when I said that I never had seen Samson wrestle until he wrestled for, <laughs> for me. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I definitely went on just full recommendation mm-hmm. from Joel and others. Mm-hmm. Um, I had seen York. I had, I had seen York because there was a chance that York was going to come over originally, originally without Joel. Right. Okay. But the, we're we're talking, we're talking two trips before Joel even came. Oh wow. There okay. was a there was oppor- there was an opportunity um, for I think York was always wanting to come here during this last period of time, mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. So Joel was like, "Hey, I have this guy." Da 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 da. Showed me a couple of fights. I was, I was not as impressed with York until his American stuff. Yeah, and then I went back and I watched the Dream um, tournament, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, okay, these guys are boom, 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 boom." And then uh, I booked a couple of other people from that tournament that still haven't been announced, so I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to show all my cards. I I gave you those other two. <laughs> um, I'm just really looking forward to it, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting new eyes on new people. Mm-hmm. Um, am I nervous about ticket sales? Yes, because that's just a promoter's side of it. Yeah, you know what I mean. I I wish that this is one of those things that you you announce the show, the tickets sell, you sell out in advance, and you know exactly what you're getting into. Yeah. That's not where we're at right now. But I, I think that by the time we get to the finish line, I think these are going to be the more successful uh, deathmatch shows in Australia. Mm-hmm. And it can only um, build. And it could also build to a possible deathmatch down on their show in America. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep, um, I, I love Joel. I love doing business with Joel. I, lo- I love... Um, I love his drive for teamwork. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that you've, you pay close attention, so you know that I love my team. I, I love the people that I, I have around me. Mm-hmm. Um, ICW is definitely built on a team with Struggles and Larry and Ron and Tom Customs and Weapons Master Ryan and Packing Princess and Stoney and um, Mrs. Struggles, who helps run selling the merch. Like everybody I just named outside of Larry doesn't even get in the ring. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and 
th- those are just people that are just dedicated all week long, all and then all show day long. They're just going, 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 just to try to make the things better. I'm so glad you brought Except that Tom up. Custom. <laughs> He's a troll. <laughs> um, I'm glad you brought that up because I was actually going to bring it bring it up because when like the the team that is ICW does shine through everything like that you guys do. And when I think back to, you know, you and Jack from the very start of ICW, you know, you, you've been part of the ICW team since it started essentially. And like, then very, you guys started, yeah. worked together. Absolutely. So you, you, I, I imagine probably learned that from him, right? Like it, he seemed like the kind of guy who brought you close and saw something in you. And then you guys worked together. How has it been for you? Like when you talk about, those team members and sort of picking your um, team and stuff, did they make themselves pretty evident just through their own work and things like that? You know what I mean? Like knowing how to choose the right people because you seem very good at uh, picking talent, I guess, in all aspects of the company. Well, I definitely learned a lot from Jack. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sugarcoat that I didn't learn a lot from Jack, mm-hmm. both good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but being a professional wrestler for now, I'm going into my 23rd year. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that the end goal was to be the, be a promoter mm-hmm. and to own my own wrestling company, I've paid attention to the best promoters and worst promoters that I've ever worked for. Yeah. So I've learned what elements do and don't help a company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also can wholeheartedly admit that I take on way too much on a daily basis with this company to be able to make every single decision Mm -hmm. properly Mm -hmm. across the board. Sometimes I need a filter. Sometimes I need to go to my office group chat and say, Hey guys, do you think this is a good idea? And can all of you take a vote? And there's five of them. Yeah. So obviously there's going to be an, you know, my vote is going to either uh, tie it up or, you know, make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and I value every one of their opinions. Some of their opinions are a lot more raw than others. Obviously, Larry's going to give me a different opinion than Weapons Master Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry's been around the business a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ryan has a lot more eye for detail of current events, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense to you. Yeah. Um, so all my, all my little team, everyone on my little team definitely serves their purpose. Um, but that there, there's definitely an extended team though, when it gets to the, the wrestlers, like obviously John Wayne Murdoch's been my guy since day one mm-hmm. with this Eric Ryan's been my guy since day one, when it comes to like getting the poster signed or the eight by 10 signed or getting the weapons in order. I see those guys, you know, just making it easier for everybody else. And and that's what the team is. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's been people that have tried to even shit on me for having too much merchandise. I saw that. <laughs> um, and why? If, if, if people if think an audience that for it, the like, 200 yeah. people that are buying a $25 ticket is going to keep the ball rolling and keep us being able to travel to where we do. And I mean, 
my budget per show is $1,500 on just weapons. That's just weapons. And if I do two shows in a weekend, that's $3,000 on weapons. Yeah. And then the building is $2,000 a day. So let's add up those numbers before I have to even pay a wrestler. Yeah. So if you don't think that I'm going to get a stack of wood signed by John Wayne Murdoch and sell it for $20 a piece instead of asking for a handout from wrestling fans, I'm absolutely going to hustle for every single dollar the company makes. But it also pays my bills. It also pays the bills of the storage that we have to have for um, the merch and the office that we sell the merch out of. It, it, there's bills. With, with money comes bills. Yeah. Um, there's flights that have to be bought months in advance. There's hotels that have to be bought months in advance. You have to put down, posit, down, down um, payments for you know, buildings months in advance to be able to lock them in. Trust me, I, I don't have the time, nor do I have the money to go to Bahamas or to Florida even to see my mother on a vacation because of ICW. Yeah. I'm definitely not living the high life, but I'm living my, every single dream that I always dreamt of do, dreaming yeah. because of ICW. And you know what? I'm I about said, to go to fucking Australia. I know. I'm about which is to meet crazy. you. I know. It's going to be nuts. <laughs> How is this happening? But like, uh, I think there's fans want that stuff. You know what I mean? When I see, uh, uh, I mean, it's harder for me because I'm here in Australia. You know what I mean? Shipping and stuff is a joke. It's worth more than the fucking items half the time. But like, when you guys oh, put I, out I like to Australia, there's there's definitely a lot of fans that buy from Australia. I know the prices. Believe yeah, me. Yeah. Exactly, and they'll pay I, a premium I, for I it. shipped awesome. two posters to Australia last week. It was forty-five dollars just in shipping, right? Yeah, yeah, for the shipping for two posters. Exactly, that, and it's paper across the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. But, but people love it, and like making that stuff accessible is so important. Like for, like you say, building that rabid fan base because they have access to the things yeah, they want and to the wrestlers from from Australia, for example. That obviously does not have access to this until now, mm -hmm. but they don't have access to this. Mm -hmm. And them getting a piece of a door signed by their two favorite wrestlers when they just watch them yeah. go through that door. It's awesome. <laughs> it's fucking cool. Why wouldn't they want why wouldn't they want that? Yeah, exactly. And you see pictures of people sharing. I mean, you just shared a picture. On social media, I saw like uh, some people bought your boots of like sixteen years, and they've got it like in a glass case in their house. All right? Oh that's, yeah, that's so cool. Like, I, I see that seven hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> sixteen years, I had those boots though. Was it hard to part with? Was, them? It must be right because there must uh, be like yeah. emotional sort of connection. Yes a and no, bit. though. I I knew that it was time. Mm -hmm. My feet um, definitely hurt more. Um, in those than I do in my black boots. I have two pairs of boots and I'm definitely on my last leg of my career for sure. And let's be honest, we need funds. Yeah. And I, we need we need to make money for the company and mm -hmm. I knew that the boots would sell well, so I sold them. Yeah, exactly right. You can always get more. I'm sure, I'm sure they don't I, cost yeah, 750 Realistically, <laughs> if I wanted to dip into that fund uh -huh. and get brand new white boots, I'd still be okay. <laughs> You're going to survive. And and little inside uh, scoop on those boots, they were Eddie Kingston's first boots. Really, I bought them from Eddie Kingston for fifty dollars. Yeah. Um, in two thousand like six, mm -hmm. and I I you know gave them a little revamp, like fixed them up a little bit, mm -hmm. and uh, I've been rocking them for sixteen years. 
I think uh, Eddie Kingston said before he got signed to AEW when things were things were kind of getting pretty bad for him, he was going to sell his wrestling boots, but then he uh, cut a promo on ICW No Holds Barred and ended up wrestling Cody and changed his entire life, right? That, that he did. Yeah, exactly right. The boots come back around. Small inside, another small inside scoop. Yeah. Eddie Kingston got me into CZW. Really? And quit the same night that he got me there. <laughs> Pieced you in and pieced out himself all in the one yep. night. I I debuted. Uh, I don't know if you you're too keen on the uh, CZW history, but the night of Chris Hero Eddie Kingston at the arena mm-hmm. was the same show that I debuted. Yeah, and then after uh, after the match, Eddie Kingston quit because Zandig upset him or something. Oh, he's a man that li- lives with with fire and passion in everything he does, isn't he? <laughs> Both of them, both of those two men live with fire and passion with everything that they do. Yes. Jeez, you got it right. It's the, it's the only way to be a winner is to to fight like it like it means something, you know. So as, Absolutely. We, as we wrap up and I, I set you free for the evening, um, let's, uh, let's have a quick last sprout for everything we've got coming up. Obviously, you've got a murderer's row lined up for your champion, uh, the unfuckwithable Casey Kirk coming for these upcoming No Holds yep. Barred shows. And then then we're flying to Australia. So, so give the people the last uh, sprout for everything they can expect. Um, the the fans of of Australia expect something that you've never experienced before. Experience expect a environment that you're not used to. Expect something to be a lot more hands on than you're used to. Um, you're going to be able to get a lot more close to the action than normal. The cage is going to uh, give you the ability to be right up on the action. Um, if you do, if you're uh, I, I get this question a lot from a lot of fans locally. If you want to bring your own weapons and fuckery uh, with you within um, obvious restrictions, but if, if you if you know that it's allowed on the show, it's allowed on the show. If you don't think it's allowed on the show, most likely it's not being used. Um, all weapons are obviously um, accepted and... We, we we thank you for bringing them. Um, another question that I get from a lot of fans that um, are over there, you will be able to meet absolutely every single wrestler on all of the shows. There will be meet and greets before, during intermission, and after each show. We are all extremely personable. You'll get to meet Casey. You'll get to hold the ICW American Deathmatch title. You'll be able to take a picture with Cruel. If you want to enter the Pit Fighter cage, you can enter the Pit Fighter cage before the show. It's a very fan interactive event, events all weekend. And like I said earlier, the key is to spread the word. If you could find five people that you know or that are not coming to the show and that's your goal, make that your goal. We have to do this together. Obviously, I can't go out there and hand out flyers in Australia right now, or I would. But we have to um, take every bit of diehards right now that um, want to see this succeed. And we have to spread the word because we have to pack those buildings so we can do it again. Because I would like to see it. I would like to experience um, Australia and even a different part of Australia in 2023. Yeah, that's awesome. It's all grassroots out here. 
you know, as as much as it's a worldwide company, the only way to do it is if we all do it together. So everybody Absolutely. pitch in, convince your friends, buy them a ticket, promise them beer, do what you need to do. Let's all get in there and have an amazing four shows uh, in October because it's going to be killer. Yeah. If anybody was thinking 100%. about buying me a drink for my birthday while I'm over there, don't do it. Buy your friend a ticket. And, uh, get every, and get everybody and then, and then buy me a drink yeah, and then buy Danny a drink absolutely the man's flying everybody to Australia Jesus Christ they have yeah. Hennessy in Australia of course yeah yeah exactly awesome. I don't know whether they have it at Deathmatch Down Under shows but uh, everybody needs to take note surely there's after parties I, I, and I stuff. know I know uh, they have Vegemite they do have Vegemite piece of shit fucking Joel did you try it yet or yeah I got paid $50 to try it and then I was cooked for the rest of the fucking night what do you mean cooked? I was very I was <laughs> Well, I was drunk. Yeah. I was very, very drunk. Okay. So then we, we were on a live sale, yeah. and a fan paid me $50 to take a spoonful. Oh, that's not how you, you consume it. Uh-huh. That's a terrible uh-huh. thing. Uh-huh. Oh. Well, I did that terrible thing. Oh, man. I hate it when people like take the opportunity to like uh, to fuck introdu- with you? Yeah, to introduce you to something new. Yeah. And instead of being like, why don't you have this on a nice piece of toast or something, they're like, eat a spoonful of it. And then me and Joel were <laughs> me and Joel were not wrestling on that Australian tour until he vegemited me. And you're like, now I'm and gonna now fuck I'll, you up. Now 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 I'm fucking your little ass up. I'm gonna fuck you up, Joel. Now I'm gonna and if you watch this fucking interview, I'm telling you on the interview, Joel, on Sunday, when we're all about to leave the day uh, on the next day. I'm going to leave you cut the fuck up and beat the fuck up at your own fucking show. And that's going to be my retribution on Joel exactly. in front of his wife. <laughs> Maybe I'll even get his wife involved. I don't know. She she is a trained wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> if she wasn't, it wouldn't even make a fucking difference. Maybe involve Vegemite in some way. Because that's a yeah, sting. I'll shove it, I'll shove it in you. his fucking little mouth. <laughs> This is the appropriate him, him and bitch ass, bitch ass York drinking his uh, smearing off ices like he has a vagina between his legs. <laughs> well, I gotta say, man, this is only—I mean, it, there was no doubt it was going to happen, but this has only helped me be even more pumped if that was possible to get over to Melbourne in October. And mate, I awesome. want to thank you so much for your time. It was so fun to get to know you a little bit and to get a picture of the entire timeline of everything that's led to now. So it really is appreciated. Let's get it. Let's get it. Tell the people where to find you on social media and we will get you out of here. At ICWNHB on Instagram and Twitter. Um, no ICW No Holds Barred on Facebook. Um, if you want to find my personal accounts, it's at Danny DeMonto on everything across the board the same. And just keep supporting Deathmatch Wrestling. This might be... You got you guys watching this interview might not be from Australia. You you might not you, you might be from the United States. I, I know one of my biggest fans, Donald Holland. Mm-hmm. Shout out Donald Shout out Holland. Tom. He watches every single one of these mm-hmm. from Michigan. I love Donald and his entire family. Mm-hmm. His son Wyatt is a fucking animal. <laughs> um, so because of ICW and because of Deathmatch Down Under, even your podcast here mm-hmm. has you know, has reached a worldwide deathmatch audience. Mm -hmm. And it's because you're bringing the people what they want to hear and who they want to see. Absolutely. It's it's about like the deathmatch community. You know, I didn't start out doing this podcast in order to cover deathmatch. It just sort of found me. 
You know, I was already yeah. kind of doing something, and I, I just well, was talking about the stuff green. I like. Yeah, exactly right. Red it seems means like, green. I mean, I haven't seen any green yet, but I'm sure maybe there's one day there's something out there, but we do it for the love, eh. and we do it, do it for what we we want to see, you know, and, and, and it reads true when it's something that you believe in and that you really enjoy. And so, yeah, I, I am only grateful for all the time of all the guests that I've had on the show and the support of people like Donald Holland, like Darren McCarty, you know, yourself, Absolutely. ICW No Holds Barred, The Struggles, everybody that reaches out and supports us all, it's it's really humbling every single time. We, we are absolutely as corny as it sounds. We've been saying it since the NGI one. We are absolutely all in this together, and we are all intricate parts on what makes this wheel, the wheels keep turning. Absolutely. Until until the wheels fall off, right? That's it. Until the wheels fall off, it's all about ICW No Holds Barred. So, brother, I want to thank you so much. Everybody out there, make sure you get to Melbourne. Make sure you check out those shows. If you can't, make sure you're streaming them. Make sure you're buying merch. Make sure you're supporting Danny Tomando and the entire team. And remember, it's all about peace, love, and fucking deathmatch wrestling. Thanks for spending your time listening to the Faces and Feels podcast. Faces and Feels is a DIY project recorded and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Faces Feelscast, or just head straight to our link tree, linktr.e slash facesfeelscast to find all the info you'll ever need about the show. You can stream the episodes, be directed to your favorite podcast providers, find links to all our social media platforms and sponsors, and you can even buy me a coffee. If you have any questions, topic suggestions, or interview requests, you can send us an email to facesandfeels at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and Spotify. A banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. My body is a roadmap of pain. Oh! DeathmatchWorldwide.com, the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G-Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a Deathmatch Wrestling promotion, manager, or platform and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. Yo, let me stop you right there. I just need to holler at everybody and tell them about NordVPN. This service has been a bit of a game changer for me, man. Not only are they one of the first services, you know, to believe in me and to believe in this podcast, which is pretty amazing, but it's also been great to, like, pick up my internet access and throw it around the world. I've been able to access all the streaming services. I've been able to check out different shopping sites. It's keeping me safe and sound on the internet and protecting all of my important data. It's been pretty damn awesome. So if you want to give it a chance for yourself, if you want to try it out, if you want to get amongst the glory that is NordVPN, just go to nordvpn.com feels and use the code feels to 
You get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan and one additional month for free. Uh, it's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, which is pretty sweet. So, yeah, nordvpn.com slash feels and use the code feels. Now, let's get back to the interview. Vinyls and Violence, a brand celebrating a love of music and deathmatch wrestling. Follow on Instagram at Vinyls and Violence. Follow on Twitter at Legalized Ranch, and that's Ranch with two H's. And buy the shirts from deathmatchworldwide.com. Vinyls and Violence. I'm pretty sure it's like some weirdo shit like Pokemon or something. <laughs> 